0: And if you couldn't understand that, just you wait until the bottom of the hour, friends. (laughs) As Austin Danger Podcast has returned to a regular wheel format. And we have been rewarded with a close analysis of Christopher Nolan's *Tenet*. Mackenzie, how does it feel to finally be here on the night we uh, we've always hoped for *Tenet* on Austin Danger Podcast?
1: Rewarded is a is a word to use for. <laughs> for what happened when we got this movie. You know, uh, Michael Caine <laughs> shows up for four minutes and now Austin Danger Podcast is doing Tenant. That's what happens.
0: I will say, in Michael Caine's defense, there are more connections than you think all behind the scenes. We'll be getting into that later on. <laughs> um, I will say that this feels like uh, a, a gift as much as God gifted the world the flood um, <laughs> on which Noah set his ark. Oh my God. But until then, Mackenzie, what have you been watching this week?
1: Yeah, I um, started my week, I guess. I watched uh, A Dog's Will, which. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you think I was going to bring this
0: up, baby? Uh, what is this?
1: Bet you didn't. Uh, so it is a Brazilian film. It is literally impossible to find uh it's number seven on the letterbox top oh, 250 narrative films movie. and i always see it and i'm always like what the fuck is this movie and every time i look for it it is like impossible to find it's only available on like region 4 dvds for some reason and every time i think about it i see it on that, that number seven slot i'm like i look for it on the internet and i can never find it with english subtitles and uh, you did not hear it here, but I did find it on YouTube with English Ooh, subtitles. No excuse. Uh, DM me <laughs> if you want this link that will probably go away very soon, but it's like impossible to find. And it is just this kind of, I think it was a miniseries that was cut down to a film, which you can kind of tell because the pacing is a little strange, but it is like, it is like a Shakespeare play on cocaine. Like it is the craziest, like slapsticky wordplay wit comedy that turns into a morality play about um, religion and um, where we go after we die. And it's very weird. I definitely recommend it. It's, you know, it's, I think it's up there for a reason, but um, yes, that was interesting. I finally knocked that kind of weird white whale that I've been kind of searching for, for a while off my watch list, which was fun. Whoa. Um, And then I had kind of an Owen Wilson day, which was (laughs) weird, which was weird. I saw that. yeah, I, I watched Armageddon because it's been on my list for a while. Our dear friend Ian, who was just on here with us for Wayne's World, loves that movie. It's in the Criterion collection, so it's been on my Criterion list. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to watch Armageddon. Was shocked to see Owen Wilson in there. He's my top actor on Letterboxd because I've seen so many of his movies, which is insane. Is that so? Um, yeah, I don't. I think it's because of Wes Anderson, probably, and then just other various
0: studio that comedies makes, I've seen. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, Yumi and so Ian Dupree puts him over. <laughs>
1: yeah, I watched that last week for some reason, yeah. um, and I thought it was fun. I like, I see why people have issues with it, but like honestly, I loved the cast. I thought it was funny. I had a good time. That's what I wanted, and I got it with Armageddon. And then yeah, it led into a day of Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, and Zoolander. So I had just like a day of Owen Wilson content. It was fun. Yeah. I had a fun day. I, I think they're all like enjoyable studio comedies. And Jackie Chan is the fucking goat and looks amazing in those movies. And well, Zoolander true. was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. It was great. But uh, yeah, that's, I kind of just had an Owen Wilson week and I rewatched the matrix. And then I watched this, uh, this whole movie we're talking about at the bottom of the hour. But what did you watch this week?
0: Oh boy. Well, I did indeed go down to the official movie theater of Austin Danger Podcast, New York branch. Uh, the Roxy and Tribeca, and I went and saw Strawberry Mansion, which our friend KK liked very much. Um, was yeah. very emphatic about, uh, you know, I liked it very much. The, the mysteries you can solve the mysteries in the movie, and then you know, once you've solved them, the movie's still pretty good. There's it's uh deceptive, I think, <laughs> um, nice. in terms of like the mystery, but besides that, it's pretty good. Um, then. It was time for David Lynch's Wild at Heart on 35mm, which was absolutely, unbelievably incredible, gobsmacked, absolutely insane movie from beginning to end. I couldn't believe. Like, wow.
1: That movie is very much your shit. Absolutely. I was not shocked when I saw a high review roll through. Nick Cage,
0: Elvis Pastiche. Willem Dafoe's horrible villain, the brutalistic use of booming music and stuff. A lot of like proto elements that you would see come back in Lost Highway and in the video years, Inland Empire and the web shorts into the return. Um, Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff crazy stuff i loved it laura dern um probably gonna end up being one of my favorite actresses of all time by year end you know in a way that like i've always really loved her work but like citizen ruth and then this role it's just beyond the beyond and this is only the beginning you know what i mean i think that movie small uh, smooth talk is still on the criterion Mm -hmm. channel i want to watch that i want to watch that too she's so
1: good i love that She, like, does, like, David Lynch shit and then also, like, Jurassic Park and then also, like, more David Lynch shit and then does, like, Big Little Lies. And, like, she just has, like, the widest range of, like, career. It's so cool to me.
0: She's like uh, Meryl Streep's cool younger sister (laughs) who, like, smokes a joint with you at Thanksgiving or whatnot. I love that. Perhaps.
1: Perhaps. what a good vibe
0: um, but yeah it was great then the next day I went to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness um, which we've had a few people request me talk about on the show so I will speak generally then we're gonna say goodbye we're gonna go to Spoiler Town which will be at the very end of the show like after the music you're gonna have plenty of opportunities to not hear spoilers I had the movie spoiled for me the day it was released on Google Because Google recommends comic blogs to me and their headlines ruin the whole thing. So in the interest of keeping everybody as spoiler-free as they want, I will be talking about a lot of stuff that goes on and we'll put that after the show. Now, let's talk about it. Tell me, I am not an MC person. Spoil me all day. I don't give a single shit. Kevin Feige gets in the industry. He works That's on the That's how first- you say his name? Sure. Right now, yes. That's what I understand it as. Oh, I thought it was Feig. It could be Feeg. Hey, <laughs> I'm a Kevin. Fool. Kevin from one Kevin to another. Come on, Austin Danger Pod <laughs> and rectify this issue, bud. Let us know. Um He begins his career working as an assistant on Spider-Man, and he follows Sam Raimi very closely. Now, Mm. the student has become the master, and Sam Raimi has come to Marvel. His return to Disney after the embarrassingly bad Oz the Great and Powerful, which was so heinous. I don't think it was his fault, but heinous. I've not seen that. I'm going to say it one more time. James Franco as the Wizard of Oz. Heinous. (laughs) Heinous. But, um... He's given a lot of latitude here, given that this movie got moved around a bunch due to COVID. You had WandaVision and Spider-Man, which cover a lot of similar ground. Again, no spoilers here, but you know, if you're still listening to this, you've seen you know, you've seen those. Um And the thing is, is that the timing of Spider-Man specifically, because Doctor Strange is such a, a fuck-up in Spider-Man, <laughs> and this and the Loki show, to which it's kinda connected, not really if you know, mm. you know, um, has kind of left it kind of fragmented. And so you have a movie that is fragmented. There are Sam Raimi stuff all over the place. Ty, who has a voicemail later, uh, said on, um, we should watch a movie that, that the Sam Raimi stuff was not as much as he thought,
2: mm. but
0: he's everywhere in this film. He is all over it. He's in, Uh, A certain way a close-up is is shot. He's in the movements of a camera in certain scenes. He's in every single Dutch angle. Bruce Campbell makes a cameo in this film. Um, Also, the movie shits on Doctor Strange, the dumbest character in the world. Um, Just beyond foolish. Everything he does is foolish. I've pretty much run out of non-spoiler content, so we're going to go to our brand new segment, tentatively titled austin danger podcast after dark podcast or adp adp for short and uh it'll be after the end credits so you may have to hit the 30 second thing on spotify or pocket casts or whatever it is you do and uh (laughs) goodbye and we'll be right back and then we'll continue on with the show Boy, wasn't that wild? Oh, I mm. wish I were you about to not listen to that, spoiler conscious listener. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, this is gosh. This is the most chaotic Austin Convite, I have to say.
1: <laughs> it is, it is. You know, it makes sense for for the, the mind-bending movie we're talking about. Oh, my
0: God. Speaking of, by the way, mind-bending, Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel McAdams, nothing. Like, like, uh, <laughs> like sandpaper we and dumb. a crock. The chemistry is so awful. <laughs> It's like it's like a, a, a trading card and a fire hydrant. No chemistry. Two completely <laughs> different things.
1: Oh my gosh! Awful. I'll d- Speaking I, yeah.
0: of no chemistry, despite giving it all. Mm. No, uh, we have to do Austin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, "What movie are you
0: talking about? Surely not us." Are you kidding me? But before we get to Tenet.
2: whooped it news what does it all mean basil
0: wow that spoiler segment really fucked up the momentum of the show oh i forgot i we thought had it news. would do the opposite
1: i forgot we had news wow wow
0: wow 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 mater mater i forgot wow. um <laughs> okay i promise we are not under the
1: influence we are, we are, uh, we we're are. Str- is, we're, we're straight edge right now, and we are losing our minds. What's the Austin news this week? We're,
0: we're straining because the second half of the sh- Look, listen. This is a ticking time bomb show, <laughs> just like the plutonium in Christopher Nolan's *Tenet*, oh. or whatever. Um, anyway, Austin news. Not a lot, obviously, of news items. As I said last week, we're really starting to see things slow down. But in the wake of the 25th anniversary, there are a couple of <gasps> think pieces. We have a think piece. We have a think piece corner. Tilt magazine. It, uh Kent Wilhelm from right here in Brooklyn, New York, wrote a piece uh nostalgic about nostalgia at the heart of Austin Powers is our own fear of mortality, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Baby. Which is this is quite an interesting piece. I like it very much. I love that. Here's a, great, here's a great quote. Even if you've seen it a thousand times and think you know every joke, the sheer density allows for delightful surprises. For me, the K turn in the hallway bit is perfect and always catches me off guard. It's a really love thoughtful it. piece. We'll put it in the show notes. I love that. Also, hey, Horror Geek Life did an article a couple weeks ago. Austin Powers' international meta mystery is still groovy, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yes, it is. Here's a great quote. It would be easy to poke fun at this film's dated humor, especially in the context of today's world, but that would be missing the point entirely. This is still a funny film and lends itself to smart moments of self-awareness, irony, and parody. To quote the famous Roger Ebert, the joke here is that both powers in Dr. Evil are creatures from the 60s that time has passed by. Yes. Which, uh... Yeah, there you are. Look at these think pieces. Yes. Think piece corner, right? Uh, One last piece of Austin news. Mike Myers did this segment called the Sunday sit down for the Today Show as a part of the Pentaveret press tour. Uh, Seems like a pretty decent, fun video. Uh, The headline Mike Myers shares the important advice his mom gave him, which inspired Dr. Evil. She said, (laughs) don't forget that the villain is the hero of his own story. Which is they pretty know. pretty great advice, and which that's is true. And that spawned a lot of the probably the pathos that makes Doctor Evil so wonderful. Yes. All right, and that's the Austin news for the week, which leads us to our second news segment of the week, folks. We are on. <laughs> oh God, I forgot. I forgot.
1: I forgot already. This
0: whole week has been a practical joke on Mackenzie. Basically, listen, <laughs> this is great, folks. We're on the road to Boz Lerman's Elvis, our July Fourth <laughs> special. Uh, it's going to be really great. Austin danger podcast in the county jail. And who's there swinging the keys? It's the new teen harp throb. If Warner Brothers has anything to do with it, Mr. Austin Butler. <laughs> it's truly. I am full of them tonight, as you could tell. <laughs> so as the press store for Elvis begins to heat up, we're going to start covering it here because, well, um, as funny as it is for me to say there's no Austin news, I would like to talk about news sometimes and we will be covering it on the show. So I figure it's important. Uh, piece number one, Lisa Marie Presley has tweeted her approval for Austin Butler's performance and the film itself. She's yes, seen it twice. I saw this. Her words, let me tell you that it is nothing short of spectacular, absolutely exquisite. Austin Butler channeled and embodied my father's heart and soul beautifully, oh, oh, oh. which is such a campy tweet.
1: <laughs> Insane. Well, did you see the part where she said if he doesn't win an Oscar, she will eat her own foot?
0: I saw that. Is there a jail for that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Uh, so wonderful. Um, and she was like, oh, you know, my children saw their grandfather in this. And, and it was, oh you know. My God. And, and uh, Priscilla Presley, the widow of Elvis, also yes. approved of the film previously. So we have the estate support. It's hard to believe a movie this expensive from the guy who told Toby Maguire to do that voice in The Great Gatsby. You know the one I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could be could be not approved by the uh, Presley estate, I have to say. And then this morning, well, this morning we're recording this on May 18th. Surprise! Um, it's no, we don't do this on Monday morning. I know, it sounds crazy. Um, the posters dropped. New Elvis posters dropped. We see Yes. Uh, there's uh, Austin kind of mugging at the camera in Elvis fashion in a black jumpsuit, which is okay. And then this Elvis rocking out poster in the white that is just like out of sight superb wow like it's really good posters i was in the dune discord i wrote a book in the dune discord the dune pod discord i should say
1: oh it's the new that the white suit is on letterbox now
0: it is oh my god i have to i have to bug our friends and say thank you (laughs) my god that's so cool i'm really excited man this is going to be look if it's great, it's a win for everybody because it's a great movie. If it's terrible, historic. Yes. Like, listen. I'm ready.
1: I'm fucking ready.
0: Wow, it was so funny to laugh at Morbius. Uh, no, you won't know laughing at Morbius. You won't even know. Like, it's going to make cats look like Morbius. I think it's
1: going to be good. I want to see this shit in Dolby and I'm going to have my bones rocking out of my body. I am so pumped.
0: I'm already basically booked my seat. I just like the AMC (laughs) app is going to ping me the second they go on sale. Hell yeah. And then I'm going to get my ticket Friday afternoon. Oh, I will, you know, warden through a party in the County jail. Let's do it. All right. Speaking of parties in the County jail we will be sent to podcast jail after the next half hour of Austin danger podcast.
2: Strap,
0: Strap yourselves in. Let's do it. Last week, we brought out the wheel. Mackenzie spun. Landed on our first Christopher Nolan, which is a—I have to say, like, I love Chris Nolan. Okay, I love all of his other films, any other film. But even *Following*, which is like a student film, AF, still pretty decent. I would have watched over this. I'm angry, Mackenzie. Please. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the synopsis yet. I—I I had to get that out because I need people to know before we get into it.
1: If they needed to turn off the podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or,
0: li- or, or put it in reverse. Listen to the next segment in reverse. <laughs> All right, Mackenzie, why don't you lead us in? You spun te- God Said Tenet.
1: This synopsis was written with the help of Wikipedia The reasons that will, <laughs> will become clear during our discussion of the film. The protagonist takes part in a botched extraction job in Kiev and when captured by enemy forces he takes a cyanide pill to avoid giving up his allies. He awakes months later from a medically induced coma caused by the pill that was not cyanide but rather a test of loyalty. He is then conscripted by a mysterious organization called Tenet to help save the world, question mark? Very vague, but he goes to meet a scientist named Barbara, who, sorry, that name is funny to me for some reason, (laughs) who briefs him on strange bullets that seem to move backwards in time that he saw briefly during the extraction job. Barbara isn't able to give him much information outside of she's been told they're, quote, preventing World War III. The protagonist meets his handler, Neil, and as they trace the source of these inverted bullets to Mumbai and eventually to a Russian oligarch named Andrei Sator. The protagonist grows closer to Sator's estranged and abused wife, Kat, in order to get closer to him. After proving his strength to Sator, the protagonist is able to enlist him to help him steal an object that was the goal of the original extraction job that supposedly contains powerful plutonium. But Sator, being a terrible man, obviously turns on them in true villain fashion, with Neil and the protagonist working to save Kat's life after Sator's violent actions and secure the mysterious object once and for all. After tons of time travel shenanigans, we find out that Sator has collected the pieces of a device called the algorithm that can enable people to invert the entropy of the entire world and essentially destroy the past. All Sator has to do is bury the device for it to work and the protagonist deduces magically, I don't know I missed that part, where it will happen and races to stop him. Sator calls him and tries to reason that it's gonna reverse climate change but the protagonist neil and ives a tenant soldier who i haven't mentioned till now capture the algorithm break it apart once again with kat finally getting revenge on her abusive husband and killing him in order to run away with their son in the end it is revealed that the protagonist the whole time through time travel was the mastermind behind the organization that is Tenet.
0: I mean that's
1: it I think that's so that's the longest one I've ever done but I didn't know what all to include or what all did not include and yeah so that's tenant. I think I missed half of that when I was watching it so Wikipedia helped out a lot
0: I mean and here's the thing right so let's give everybody I couldn't help but express before we started that I love Chris Nolan's films okay you recently saw the Dark Knight trilogy for the first time is that correct
1: Yeah, no, I watched, I think I watched like part of Inception in my high school psychology class. Sure, sure. But the thing about that is that those classes are like 40 minutes long, (laughs) so we saw like part of the movie and I didn't watch the rest of it. I don't know. So I have not really seen Inception, not really. And then recently I watched the Dark Knight trilogy. I thought it was fine. You know, I'm sure it would have been different if I was seeing it like when it came out. Um, even the one that everyone obviously hails as like the big one is really made good by a single performance that is amazing. And we should all be in awe of, but like it's one performance in a whole movie. They're fine. They're fine movies. They didn't blow me away. The politics in them actually <laughs> aged quite rancidly. Um, but they're, they're fine. I, I he, his movies have never interested me. I've never sought them out. I don't have much interest in a, in a Christopher Nolan movie. As to quote myself last week, I don't want to watch this movie. So uh, that was where I was at when I was putting on Tenet
0: <laughs> this morning. Oh, my God. Yeah, I get it. And I understand. And now, I, I, I mean, this is definitely him at all of his worst impulses. You can't hear a goddamn thing. It's incomprehensible. Any sense of characters is gone. This is the big one. This is my big, probably my big point for the episode, if I mm. may. Yeah, please. Please. Take it away. Usually in Nolan's films, you have characters that are pretty strong that you can grab onto and relate to as you go through the journey through the unknown. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, we love Joey Pants, right? And in Memento, Joey Pants and Guy Pierce, their relationship and their friendship and whatever it may appear to be or not, no spoilers, Mm. carries us through the film. Right? In Inception, Leo DiCaprio, you know, what's his character's name? No one knows. You know, Chris Nolan movie, whatever. Leo's quest carries us through as we try to solve the mysteries there, and so on and so on. Right? His his characters are usually way stronger than this, and here mm. they have all been kind of sanded off into what they need to be to get the information to you. But To what end? What story is he trying to tell? What is this movie about? Is it just a simple spy story? What is this? Like, unlike the other ones, there's no incentive for me because there's no characters to cling on to. And because uh, frankly, from the outside, the puzzle box does not look that interesting. There is no impetus to dig inside. And, you know, maybe if I was 15, I would have watched this movie five times because I had that time because I had no friends. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't have that anymore. I'm twice that age and I I don't know. Maybe that's a factor also.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I agree with that completely. I the lack of characters that were and so I texted you this. I was like I hate this. I hate this movie and yeah. I don't but I don't know why. Like I like I can I can feel that something is not correct with it while I'm watching it, but I don't even know if I can articulate why it was so boring and flat and confusing to me like normally i can see see why i dislike something but with this i can't and that's like frustrating it makes me feel stupid and so this whole time i was sitting here being like why do i not like this and then it made me feel dumb and I do agree that the characters were such a huge part of that. They were just a wash. They were just, like, fucking flat as boards. And I like those actors. Those actors are all talented as hell. Yeah. Love Elizabeth Debicki. Um, the main guy, oh, my God, John David Washington. Like, that first scene where he's waking up from the coma, I was like, shit, that's great acting. Robert Pattinson. Like, I like these actors. I Yeah. They were just fucking flat as a board. The, the only time I felt, like, connected to the characters was in the end when Neil is saying goodbye to the protagonist, and there's that it's just this great sequence of like Robert Pattinson's monologue, there was really meaningful.
0: Just saved the world. Can't leave anything to chance. But can we change things if we do it differently? What's happened's happened. Which is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse to do nothing. Fate? Call it what you want. What do you call it? reality now let me go
1: that was that for me was like okay this clearly is nolan's point he's trying to make and it was this beautiful meaningful moment of like the protagonist losing neil before he even got to know him and neil ensuring him like you will know me and you'll love me and we're gonna be friends that was amazing That was the one scene in the movie where the characters felt like people and like characters. Yep. And then the rest of the fucking movie was stupid. And I'm like, how can you show me like an abused woman with a revenge narrative? Normally my shit I love and I get nothing from that. Like I just, it would, the characters were so flat. It was like, I do think that's what led to the boredom I felt, which was like the first domino that, that clicked down to like domino effect into all the things I didn't like about it.
0: I do also want to underline under your point there. The performances are all phenomenal. It is solely the material that is the issue. Everything else around the movie is pretty amazing. It looks great. If you have Roku and you're private listening on your headphones, it sounds great. Or Mm -hmm. if you live in a bunker and can blast Atmos like you're at the movies, I'm sure it sounds great. Um, But again, it doesn't have, it's missing the heart. It's missing the glue You know, Interstellar is a movie about, not to give it away, but it's a movie about families and loss and connection and grief. And it's also about how in the fourth dimension, universes fold in a particular way. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There
1: needs to be more. There needs to be more than just the sci-fi aspect. That's what makes sci-fi and fantasy, for that matter, like all these kind of not realistic, quote-unquote, right, genres, effective is because they can envelop real human emotion and experience into these fantastical things that we may never experience, but we, we do exp- like, that's why movies like everything everywhere all at once hit so hard is because mm. like, yeah, none of us are going to experience the multiverse and just, you know, the world ending blah, blah blah XYZ XYZ. But we, we, a lot of us do experience complicated relationships with our families and complicated relationships with ourselves. And, um, journeys of self love that have a lot of roadblocks that you have to hurdle over to to get to a good place in your life and like a lot of us experience those things and you need those grounding materials to make a film compelling for me and so I was looking at a lot of our friends like high rated things and I was like it seems to me at least and I'm not going to claim this for it but like I feel like maybe the movie theater experience was important with this film and because I did not have that there was nothing to sweep me into this Because it's lacking in every other aspect. I don't know. I just, I don't know.
0: There is something to be said about the experience of being in a movie theater and having no choice but to remain in your seat, looking forward, engaged with the world of the film. It is a different experience than watching it at home, um, as I've been finding out lately, uh, watching movies in the theater. I don't know. Um, I do think that's an element. But also, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm also feeling like I'm coming to this movie looking for things that aren't there and won't be there. Hmm. And in reality, it should be about cracking the code of the puzzle box and seeing inside, is that stuff there? But again, like I don't feel I the don't impetus wanna, because there's no yeah. through line to keep me hooked on the regular movie. If I had more pleasure watching the movie beginning to end, maybe I would be interested in cracking the box.
1: And I mean, like, I like, I don't know, like, yeah, I guess that when I left, I left feeling really stupid. And I hate, I hate that. I hate feeling that way with a movie. And, like, I am not someone who dislikes this kind of, like, cerebral, thoughtful, intricate like, You know, I'm a big Lynch fan, right? Like, when I first watched Mulholland Drive, as most people do, I had that experience of, like, what the fuck did I just watch? I don't know what it was, but I loved it. Right. Cause I did feel like I could connect Naomi Watts, character and like her emotion. And, and the, 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 it had the spectacle as well as the emotion, as well as the relationships I was interested in. And the puzzle was interesting. So of course I went and immediately was like, well, Holland Drive explained for like three hours on my YouTube because I was fascinated by it. This just made me want to never fucking look at it again. I literally like I it was the thing where like I couldn't even track how we were getting to point A to point B. Like I literally be like, how the fuck did he get to? Why is he in Mumbai? Why are why is he there? Like 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 the plot itself was confusing to me to even follow. When Neil showed up, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I literally had Wikipedia pulled up to try to track what was going on because i literally couldn't grasp it and i i just felt so stupid watching this movie it like pissed me off
0: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah there you go i don't know i don't know what to say Ugh, i know i love it's, his it's, other i, movies, I actually man.
1: genuinely want to know genuinely genuinely our friends who love it like i want to know why you love it because it, there is some there is a block in my brain and i do not know what yeah. it is about this movie
0: also what is the vibe to you I'm curious because that's, that's another thing I had trouble mm-hmm. because the, because I couldn't get a grasp on the characters, the actors all great doing their best to mesh together. And there is some good chemistry there, but it can't reach, you know, it's not exploited properly in the script. So yeah. it can't reach the height that it wants to clearly on the screen. And very frustratingly. Uh, I don't know what the vibe of this movie is. I thought I knew what to expect out of Chris Nolan movies a little bit. Obviously he, you know, does films that are unique, even the Batman films are unique, take place in the same place.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but I, I didn't get a vibe on this at all. What is this movie supposed to be? Is it like strict espionage action thriller? Is there something more here that I'm not seeing? Like, I don't know what he was going for, for the feel. Um, Dunkirk feels clinical, but I, I made sense of it. I really like Dunkirk. I'm excited about getting that on the wheel. The record,
1: Yeah. I've never seen that. Um, I know. Yeah. I I don't know. Like the, the opening happened and I was like, okay, I thought the opening was pretty cool. It reminded me a lot of like the bank heist of, of the dark Knight. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, okay, cool. I recognize this. I recognize this energy in this type of filmmaking. Sure. And then like, yeah, once it got into the, to the, the kind of next act, I guess with all the tenant stuff, I was just, that's where it kind of lost me. I think a bit, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's like frustrating to me that I don't even know how if I can articulate why it didn't click. It just didn't. And it's um, yeah, I just really didn't like this movie at all. And then, you know, our main connection, Michael Caine's in there for five minutes. And I was like, why are you here? What are you even saying? Yeah, Whatever.
0: I feel like that's just for Nolan's own satisfaction at this point yeah. to keep using Michael Caine. He has a <laughs> tendency to reuse actors. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh, I feel like we should address. Um I know that we are opposed on Brana in general. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm
1: not like, I'm not passionate about it. Okay.
0: All right. I, I, I enjoy him and I enjoyed, you know, whatever. I usually enjoy his stuff. And um, I think he's doing his best here given an impossible task. The most English person in the fucking world has to do with this <laughs> Russian accent. I, I just, I couldn't believe it.
1: I mean, so, he's in a Bond movie. It kind of feels like he's in like doing a James Bond villain situation.
0: He's a pro. It's, he's a pro. Is who he is.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, he like I'm not a Kenneth Branagh fan. I think I told you offline. Like he has the vibe of like like guys I went to school with that are like <laughs> only I can do Shakespeare well. So I'm gonna make myself the lead in every Shakespeare thing I do. That is true. Um, and he cheated on Emma Thompson. Whatever. How do you do that? I don't know. What is this? Love Actually. Anyway, no, I think he did a really good job here. It's actually interesting to me. I know he plays, he's played villains before, but like it was interesting for me seeing him in this like violent villain role, like that scene with Mm. um, where he's like actively abusing um, Kat, Elizabeth Debicki, who I also love. That was a really like jarring scene. Like he did a really good job in that. and, And it's, it's, it's hard. It's not hard. It's just, it's interesting to see him in like a more violent role that I feel like I don't normally see him in. Time to go. I'm not going anywhere with him. LOOK
2: AT ME! And understand, you don't negotiate with a tiger. You admire a tiger until it turns on you and you feel its true fucking nature!
1: You stay right there. So, yeah, it was really, I think he did a really good job. Once again, I think all the actors did a great job with terrible material, I think.
0: Absolutely. Why? So I
1: agree with your point there.
0: So yeah, you know, Tenet if we can kind of start giving our our final thoughts.
1: I know I'm sorry the conversation about Tenet
0: wasn't very long this week.
1: I, it's hard to talk about something you didn't super get
0: or like. I I think that we've we've explained at length what is wrong. <laughs> I was about to give some I'll I'll give some shining lights. Yeah. I thought that the action sequences were all really excellent. The special effects were like unbelievable. Um, and the movie looked and sounded great. Uh, everything we come to expect from Nolan aesthetically, I think he's nailed. While I yes. had trouble spotting a vibe and the chemistry with the, the chemistry of the actors performances with the material is like uh, uh, star Wars prequels level jarring. What is going on um, at times? You know, the actors giving their all and the material being like, what, this is an alien wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I, I don't think it comes together for me. So I'm going to give it like very, I I don't know how we do half steps because I'm going to say two and a half stars. All right. And I guess that's Scotty might. (laughs) Our rating. Yeah, we have to have a, an off-air discussion about our Austin Powers <laughs> quote-themed rating system.
1: I like matching them. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I feel, I feel like you and I are pretty aligned. at like, yeah, it it looked cool. It looked cool. The fights were cool. But sometimes, even I was taken out, being like, okay, well, why are these two people fighting? What's going on? Um, it looked cool. It sounded cool. Performers are great. I'm probably at a. It's Scotty Don't too. two stars. Scotty Don't. It is. It is. Yeah, I'm at a probably solid two, and that is exclusively for um, great performers and great looks. But like the the movie itself is just lacking severely for me. Um, and it was a slog, like clicking it and being like, surely it's been two hours. And seeing I have like an hour and 50 minutes left was uh, a jarring moment for me today. It really oh, yeah. took the wind out of my sails. Uh, so, yeah, I will never watch this movie again. And I don't <laughs> care. I'm so excited to never have to engage with this film again.
0: Now the intrigue is going to be, you know, there are a lot of movies coming up on the wheel that have a lot of intrigue around them. And now this mm. calls into question Inception and The Prestige and... The other ones. Very curious. I would
1: actually, I would watch The Inception. I actually really would like to watch Memento. Yes, Um, I feel
0: like that's a good. I think I would enjoy Memento. It has all the great late 90s vibes that I love. That you loved in Fight Club, basically.
1: (laughs) I love Fight Club. I love Matrix. I need to get into Memento. I really do. So, yeah, hopefully Memento comes up soon. Uh, and Nolan will be redeemed in my eyes.
0: I think he will because even again, I'm a diehard <laughs> fan. I really. want I mean, I'm to not a hater.
1: It. I just I think he's fine. I'm like you're fine. I like the way your movies look, but I'm not gonna like watch them all the time.
0: I should also say I uh, I did mention his his want of people to go back to the movie theater after mm-hmm. rewatching Tenet, m- plus the experiences I've had like seeing my dinner with Andre at the movies and seeing Wild at Heart at the theater and and Inland Empire, you know, a bunch of different stuff. I have to say that ultimately Christopher Nolan was right. That the movie theater is a very valuable experience. And even though he gets a percentage, like he makes his movies to be seen (laughs) in a movie theater as we talked about on this show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing with him and Denis Villeneuve Where, like, um, yes. Like I did when I watched Dune recently, I was like, oh man, I regret not seeing this on the big screen. I just couldn't get out around that time. You know what I mean? And I think that like encouraging people to go is, is great. But I think that where it gets a little messy is when you, like, shame people for not wanting to go. Yes. That's where it gets gross. Because it's like, people should be able to watch your movie regardless of what's going on. Because, like, some people literally just can't get to a movie theater for multitudes of reasons that aren't even pandemic-related. You know what I mean? And uh, that's where it gets a little a little sketchy. But I do agree that, like, lately I've been seeing more movies in theaters. And, like, like seeing everything everywhere at once, I mentioned earlier, like, mm-hmm. I can imagine... Having not seen that in a the theater, I'm so glad I had that experience. I'm going to watch it a bunch at home, but I'm so glad I got that one experience in the theater.
0: I will never forget being in the biggest IMAX in the country, seeing everything everywhere all at once. <sighs> yeah. I That was mind-blowing experience to me. Like, you know, not since Avatar. <laughs> Tm Tm TMTM.
1: TM. Yeah, no, I... I... I get it, but we also, I, I, you know, it's, it's a complicated But accessibility
0: combo. is important, and everybody yeah. should be able to watch movies however they want, clearly.
1: Yeah, but, and I think that's where probably the backlash at Nolan and, like, Denny comes from, probably. Yeah,
0: and there's no shame in not wanting to go to the movies uh, no. at all, really. And there's no shame in going alone while we're listing off things to be proud of. I love going to the movies by myself. It's my favorite thing in the <sighs> world, frankly. Don't tell anybody. All right, it's time to do our little show. I love, I love gold. gold! Could you believe that Tenet was nominated for 136 awards of I'm varying renown?
1: Kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?
0: I'm just going to call out some names here. going to lose my mind. Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Most <laughs> Egregious Lovers Age Difference Award. <gasps> Elizabeth Debicki and Kenneth Branagh.
1: That is so fucking funny. That is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life
0: winner of the academy award for best visual effects and nominated for best production design production design was quite good in this film as it is in nolan's there's a lot of detail it is actually very nice um british academy film awards best visual effects won chicago film critics association nominated for original score editing and visual effects uh, what else do we have here? The Discussing Film Critics Awards.
1: <laughs> okay. Who
0: are these people? Uh, it won Best Film Editing and Best Visual Effects. So good for them.
1: I'm still losing it over Most Egregious Lovers'
0: Age Difference Award. Nominated for the Dragon Award for Best Science Fiction or Fantasy Movie.
1: 30 um, years. That's how big the age difference is between Elizabeth Debicki and Kenneth Branagh.
0: Oh my gosh. That I is pretty. That's a whole person.
1: That's a whole ass adult. That is a whole ass in between
0: adult. the two of them. Yeah. Um. Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score nominated. Didn't quite win. I'll tell you what. It did win the Hollywood Music and Media Award for Best Original Score in a Sci-Fi Fantasy Film. Are you convinced this movie has won enough awards yet? Yeah. It. It, it did. It, it did has its own it. Wikipedia page. I love gold. I did it twice. We've earned our keep. Um, the Alan Parsons Project. We're talking about the connections between the Austin Powers trilogy and mm-hmm. this film. Michael Caine has been announced to appear in Now You See Me three. I'm seeing on IMDb.
1: <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? It That's very announced. funny. It has been announced. This that guy is, is still
0: funny. he is still in movies, my friends. This guy. Look at him. OK, he's in Kingsman, the Secret Service. He's excellent. I actually saw that recently. He's Alfred in Nolan's Batman movies. All of these link. He's Garth in Secondhand Lions.
1: Wow, my grandpa loves that movie.
0: <laughs> the Decide <of> House Rules.
1: <laughs> That's a movie you've mentioned to me and I do not know what it is.
0: I also haven't seen it. And of course, Jaws of the Revenge. He closes up the, the gap in the Jaws Hell, yeah. journey. Uh, We love Michael Caine. We love Nigel Powers. And uh, hopefully he'll bring us some old stuff sometime.
1: Yeah, maybe not this movie.
0: Maybe not Tenet. In the sound department, Thomas O'Connell also worked on Mad Max Fury Road, George Miller's new film. The trailer will be out by the time you hear this, and I am jealous of you, let me say. (laughs) Uh, In the miniatures, special effects department, Larry Jolly, who also gives us the infamous Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Ooh. Hell yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Eric Glasser, second unit director, or AD is what it's listed on as IMDb, uh, gives us Bird Box, which is a fad of a movie. I think Ty recently saw it. And so we got a lot of Ty on the show. We should have... Uh, we'll talk we about should it. Have t- <laughs>
1: we should I, have I watched that when it came out because my mom was like, I want to watch this new Netflix movie. Uh, and I, I remember hating it, but uh, who knows?
0: Um, the Transportation Department you know, I probably a Driver. We do love Sandy. We, we do love, love Sandy, Sandy Bullock, yeah. Jason Comtois, he is in the transportation department. He's like the production driver on a whole bunch of stuff. A star What's his is last born. C O M T O I S. What the fuck do you want me to Did do? Did you say that?
1: Comtois? <laughs> it's my Comtois. Okay.
0: <laughs> this
1: guy's gonna be a listener, and I'm gonna be the worst person alive.
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are you okay all right let's take it again from the top no <laughs> that's his name Comtois. he gives you fucking charlie's angels full throttle and you're laughing at his name so you're welcome. oh
1: he's my king i watched that today
0: yep i'll never watch it melinda sue gordon camera department also, Dunkirk. Oh, she's working. She's the still photographer behind the scenes of Killers of the Flower Moon, the new film by Martin Scorsese. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, we may have to stop the wheel that week, my friends. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm so excited. Uh, what else? Ad Astra. Very good, kind of like almost their sci-fi deal. John Papsidera, casting director. This guy's still working. He's working on Oppenheimer right now as we speak. Whoa. He brings us Tim Burton's Wednesday, the Netflix uh, series. Oh, wow. <laughs> he gives us, theoretically, if we were to do television, Peacemaker, the Netflix Lost in Space, the legendary Yellowstone, Uncharted. Oh. We could do that as an episode. Oh, Jesus. With Tom Holland. We love it. Ghostbusters <laughs> Afterlife, already on the wheel. I love it. We love to see it. Shout out to Dave. Very interactive show this week. Sorry, but we have a lot of friends. <laughs> uh, finally, in the sound department, Catherine Harper. We're really popular. We're very <laughs> A popular. lot of friends, yeah. Finally, Catherine Harper in the sound department brings us Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is such a sweet Ooh. and wonderful film. Uh, really would love to do a Bill and Ted month if they all link, but I'll have to do the research on that. I'm sure they we do. We may have to pull an Audible. <laughs> uh, I love that trilogy. I think all three are just phenomenal and, uh, really excited about it. And that is the Alan Parsons project.
1: We love to see it. We have one you over there.
0: Yeah, over there. There you are. There you so that's are. better.
1: Two weeks in a row. We have dear friend of the show, Ty, sending us a little VM. Thank you, so- Ty.
0: We love to hear from you.
1: Yes. And so, Ty, what do you guys think about Tenet?
2: Hello, ADP gang. Uh, this is Ty calling in because I feel like last week uh, my voicemail was set up to be <laughs> some kind of quote unquote horny voicemail. Um, and I feel like people might have been upset that it wasn't. So I'm now going to start phoning in on the horniest moments of every movie oh, that y'all did. do i, make I you was you warned of, you, of this do I, do I you randy? um i'm gonna call it the randy Roundtable. the, the um, production in, value in honor of Austin awesome powers um but you know what this is a christopher nolan film he's the only director who has ever directed a batman movie who hasn't made it horny even the uh burton schumacher ones had yes, a little bit of true. horniness Oh, um, fuck, so horny. Probably the horniest thing in Tenet is the ship going in the black and white, black and uh, yellow ship <laughs> going in reverse. I don't know. Something like that. Maybe Robert Pattinson's outfits. Uh, who
1: knows? Wasn't it to pick? He was in a bikini? I don't
2: know. But yeah, y'all have fun. I, I will not comment more on the controversial <laughs> film of Tenet um, other than it was just interesting. But uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> leave it in the words of Austin Powers. Bye. Wait a tick. If I travel back to 1969 and I was frozen in uh, 1967, presumably no. I could go visit my frozen self. But if I'm still frozen in 1967, how could I have been unthawed in the 90s and traveled back to, oh, no, I've gone cross-eyed.
1: The production value on
0: the voicemail. <laughs> Honestly, I'm losing my um, mind that this is this is, I will say, payback for something that I was going to do. We should watch a movie is Ty's uh, movie podcast with our pals, Danny yes. and Ellen. And it's a really great show. You're going to hear Mackenzie on it, it very soon throughout the summer. <laughs> very exciting. Oh. And uh, I, I'm basically all over that show. I do the theme for Ellen's F1 corner and I call in and, and I propose to the guys a segment where I would watch every episode of Young Rock. <laughs> and I, It was called If You Smell Like a Rock. And uh, I got about three minutes into Young Rock episode one and I, I tapped out.
1: Well, I hope we have a horny segment from Ty now. I want <laughs> every one every week.
0: week. This is like, yo, oh my God. Ty will, Ty, I don't think Ty listens to Dune Pod, but you should one week to listen to Kev's questions because that's going to be you in six weeks
1: and if you also want to send us your favorite horny moments or just any thoughts about any of the movies we watch. <laughs> anything. You can yeah, anything. We're around. Uh letters, voicemails, whatever you want. Um, we are at AustinDangerpodcast at
0: gmail.com. Oh, and now it's time for the wheel, right? That's right. It's time to get it out of storage. Let's do it. 2017 was oh. a really tremendous Oscar year, and you had a lot going on. Okay. Um, we had Phantom Thread. We had The Post, right? Spielberg ready to just crank out a movie just because. Lady Bird, um, right? That was, one that's faves. true. Far and away, the most astounding one of them all to me is the film that went on to win Best Picture. Because next week we're watching Guillermo del Toro's beautiful (gasps) love story, *The Shape of Water*, um, which is potentially one of my favorite movies of all time.
1: Yes, same. Oh my god! Oh my god!
0: (laughs) It's a it's a big week.
1: Holy shit! I have not seen that movie since theaters, and I have been. I think every so often I want to revisit it but it's so precious in my heart from those times I saw it. Cause I saw it like three times in one week with my movie pass. I had a movie pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so precious t- to me that I have not revisited it. And um, I remember really, really, really loving that movie. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. I was, Holy so, shit. I was so blown away. I had basically gotten like, I, I quit and they laid me off so I had like two extra weeks at my job. And so I was going to all the Oscar movies that fall. Um and yeah, The Shape of Water was like, Oh, love can still exist in the world. It was a very harsh <laughs> time in my life.
1: Yeah, I God, that movie was really impactful for me. And it was before I was I was a person who would have considered themselves into movies. And so when like, you know, I was definitely a person who showed up to the Oscars being like, I haven't seen half of these things. But when the Shape of Water won, it felt so um big to me because it was a movie that I saw and that I loved and it felt really affirming that that was a movie that was honored. God, I love that movie.
0: It felt like a massive victory.
1: Yeah. and Because who doesn't want to watch Guillermo accept an award? He's a delight of a human being. Are you kidding me? That's it true. kind of is the, it's the Troy Kotzer vibe, right? Like, we want to see him win because we want to see him get on that stage. Oh, man. Wow. Take me back. Yeah. Take me um, back to 2017.
0: I'm so excited. I'm like, my heart is like, oh, I can't believe it. So, do you love the shape of water? Do you want, did you hate it? Talk to us. How did you feel about it? Podcast at gmail.com. Send your voicemails, send your emails. We'll read them on air. Uh, We want to hear from you.
1: Send your fish fan fiction. We'll (laughs) read it.
0: We will read it out loud on air. I promise.
1: (laughs) I am known on my other podcasts for reading fan fiction, so I'll do it. I don't give a shit.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, until next week, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace!
1: If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening!
0: Spoiler alert. Watch out! Watch out! Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay, they're gone. Let's talk (laughs) about it. So you texted me. We were talking about like, oh, what are you doing over the weekend or whatever? And uh, you were like, there's something in the movie I have to ask you about. Because you had heard, like I had heard I it, yes. last Saturday morning, what?
1: Oh, that Reed Richards is in it. Yeah. Yes.
0: So here's the deal. All this time, since they announced they were going to do the movie, my sticking point has been, if the MCU Fantastic Four is not good, that's a death sentence for probably my favorite team and easily four of my five favorite characters uh, in comic books. And that would be a huge bummer for me to where, like, would I care? Hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. And
0: now we've seen John Krasinski. He's wearing Reed's current um, Reed has a beard in the current run. the um the Dan slot run as I shake my fist towards God. Um, <laughs> anyway but he looked great. People said he was too nice. Maybe he was too nice, but also Reed can be known as kind of a very pragmatic and robotic and manipulative dude. At times there are reads in the multiverse. Anyone who's read Jonathan Hickman knows that Reed Richards uh, is so multifaceted. All the multiversal reads are different, including the Nazi scientist. Um, Oh jeez. Yeah. That's a wild one. Uh, Yeah. And they also, you know, astute people who, who hear me talk on the internet know that they hinted at the incursions that start my favorite Marvel comic of all time, Secret Wars. And mm. uh, I was very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, it was good.
1: That's awesome. What is, what is that?
0: What is Secret Wars? Secret Wars is a story where universes are starting to collide with each other and null each other out. They are destroying each other. That's what mm. an incursion is when one crosses over to another. And the Marvel Universe and what's called the Ultimate Universe collide, and it's they, in its wake is this uh, insane multiversal randomness called Battle World, and the leader of Battle World is Doctor Doom, who had previously been doing this giant plan that had extended back into the guys Fantastic Four run and all over the place. It was a super long con that was just crazy. Um, and yeah. And then eventually, you know, the universe, uh, blipped back, started over, <laughs> you know, <Great>. goodness, goodness <laughs> prevails in the world. I don't know, but, but it's, it's, it's long been considered because the multiverse has been just a thing in Marvel. Cause in Loki, you saw the moment when the multiverse snapped, uh, which the idea of that I think is like when Spider-Men came out, that was the moment now because okay. things have been reorganized. I'm sorry. Yeah, it this, seems
1: like they've gotten themselves very deep into the multiverse. They have to do something very big to get out of it. This
0: is all nonsense to people who haven't seen the movies. but they're Including not here. myself. Yeah, yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> but this is for the people who asked for it. Um, thank you for listening to me talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and Professor X with the X-Men theme. I was never really an X-Men person. I think Patrick Stewart was great here. And um, So does
1: that mean they're bringing in all those, like og ones with like hugh jackman and all oh I no like no I it doesn't it mean was, like, a, a thing teen.
0: because wanda murks them very easily she turned reed richards into spaghetti and i saw she, that on you t- on twitter you saw that on twitter and then uh professor x entered her mind in a very cool scene and lost the battle uh, pretty handily
1: doesn't does she get should she die in this oh
0: uh, i don't fucking remember <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I feel
1: like they're probably. doing a lot of weird shit with Wanda. Who people knows? Were, I also have no stakes in this. I do not watch Marvel people movies. People were so.
0: critical of Wanda, but where were you in 2004 when Brian Bendis did this exact story also? I hate yeah. this cuckoo bird Wanda story. I really don't like it. I, I, I don't think it's fair. I think the MCU is handling it better than Bendis did at the time. I enjoy mm. Bendis, but I thought this was like not uh, a great thing. Um, and then House of M, which we're seeing elements of, where Scarlet Witch creates the perfect world for everybody and she puts them in it so that she can live in it with her family and whatever. We're that's, seeing, kind of that's kind right. of WandaVision. I did watch WandaVision
1: yeah. with, uh, over the holidays, yeah, with my family. Like, I, like Rachel's family is very into MCU, so I kind of occasionally see things oh, sure. with them. So we watched WandaVision, so I have seen that.
0: Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's there. This is it, right? And I, I think it's uh, never great, but... <laughs> I don't know.
1: I mean, don't all the MCU movies connect Won't we couldn't we eventually possibly go through the MCU as a podcast? Oh,
0: uh, we, could. <laughs> we could. We oh, could, do I that. could.
1: I I guarantee you that it's probably one of the only reasons why I would probably watch this, watch them all probably uh, in a more fuller sense would be through this podcast. The
0: only context I would revisit them at this point is to do it with you on this show. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, not a joke totally willing to do that they are not on the wheel currently because we have the Spider-Man movies on the wheel which we got a lot going on there's a lot going on already and etc and wouldn't it be great uh, elsewhere (laughs) anyway anyway I think that's all I can say really I think Professor X was fine Uh, if if you're listening to this right now and want to know more you could just DM me on discord (laughs) I'm I look at discord all day literally all day so uh, let me know there you go yeah all right Uh, Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.